This is Sarah Elizabeth, and you're listening to Front Porch Radio in Columbia, Tennessee, 101.7 WKOM. Hi, I'm Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Parks Motor Sales was founded by my granddad, Bobby Parks, and my great-granddad, Julian Mays, in 1958. We've been family-owned the whole time, and being family-owned, locally-owned, means you get to get your next vehicle or your existing vehicle serviced by the same people who stand in the grocery line with you, drop their kids off at the same school you do, and smile and are happy to see you when they do. So come see us at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee on 919 Nashville Highway or ParksMotorSales.com. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard, so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the stair that only creaks when everyone else in the house is asleep. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hi, I'm Steve, the Garbage Man. Are you new to Murray County? We want to welcome you and your family. We are a local residential garbage service, and we want to be your garbage man. We've been around for over 30 years, so we have a reputation. Check us out at garbagemaninc.com or call Mike at 931-540-0919. You could also ask your neighbor. 931-540-0919. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole bar. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. Brown's Body Shop, 1505 Nashville Highway in Columbia, or 129 Alpha Drive in Franklin, is here to serve Murray and Williamson County. We have over 50 years of business with all the experience combined. All insurance claims, as well as unibody and frame repairs and glass claims are welcomed. Call today for selected insurance companies, 931-381-4915 Columbia, and Franklin, 615-794-1959. Or check us out at www.brownsbodyshop.com. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Looking for convenience? Try Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Murray County, Southern Middle Tennessee, and North Alabama. Whether stopping in on your way to work for coffee and a biscuit, taking a plate lunch to go, or grabbing something cold to drink after a long hot day at work, there's always one nearby. 
Quick Mart Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Southern Middle Tennessee and North Alabama. Proudly serving Shell Gasoline. Farmer Johnny here, Taylor Family Farm. I want to give you all a little look-see. We raise 100% non-GMO, grass-fed beef, pasture chicken, and pork on our family farm. Everything that we grow is raised with love and care to ensure the highest quality and nutrition for our family and customers. You can shop online at taylorfamilyfarmtn.com or visit our farm store in person at Etheridge, Tennessee at 301 Dave Reisner Road. That's taylorfamilyfarmtn.com for more information. This is Clayton Harris, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM Columbia. T to the B, welcome you to another edition. It's kind of unbelievable, Andy. Pretty fired up, folks, prepared with you. It's a Valentine's Day, Wednesday. Can you feel the love, the love, the love? It's in the air. Love is in the air everywhere I turn around. Pretty fired up, focused, and and prepared to be here with you today. The Vols in Arkansas tonight. We'll talk about it. A new playoff format is being voted on. We'll talk about it with the great Watson Brown coming up. Tennessee's added a speedy wide receiver in recruiting, and they really want to get this NCAA thing in the rearview mirror so they can get on with the business of getting on. But in the meantime, we're going to get it on today. And uh, the line over at Bradley's Chocolate, God, it's out the door. It's out the door. We're fired up, folks, prepared. Happy Valentine's Day to you, Sean Sinclair. Que pasta, amigo. Happy Valentine's to you, Tony. Because I love who's you, this, man. Uh, who's this receiver uh, that we added? Uh, uh, the Dotson kid or yeah. more recently? Oh, okay. No, well, that, that kid. I'm with your thoughts on him. Give me your thoughts on. Give me your thoughts on him. He looked like a good prospect. I didn't see anything. Um, I didn't. I didn't see anything that uh, really caught my eye. He comes. You know, his dad was a very nice player. Was his dad the guy that uh, was he part of that team that beat Peyton Manning? I think he might have been. Wow. Um, at Memphis uh, back in the day, but uh, his dad was a was a very good at good receiver. And uh, I'm a I'm a big gene pool guy. Uh, I, th- I think it translates a lot of times. And so, um, yeah, I'm glad we added him. And uh, I like um I like keeping uh, in state kids. I think it uh, I think it means something. How about one opening on the staff? And if Jean Marie uh, heads on uh, heads on up to Michigan, who knows what's going to happen there? But uh... You never know with these guys. Um, you think we go outside now, Sean? Do we have to start going outside, right? Well, I would think so. I, I think that his uh, internal hires traditionally are around his offense. I think he has a, uh, I think he has almost a proprietary interest in keeping things inside uh, defense. I don't get that feeling from him, though he hasn't had a lot of turnover there, if any at all. Um, so, and, but you know, uh, I, I'm sure BJM is a is a nice coach. I he hasn't crushed it on the. Uh, we've got some good linebackers, but it's not um, this team. This this program does not position recruit as much as others. Uh, so mm-hmm. Giving him credit for all linebacker recruits is just 
I don't think that's accurate. Uh, but he's a, he seems to be a good coach. I I haven't been overly impressed with linebacker play. Uh, to be fair, um, he's gotten about the most he could get out of some of those guys when you consider the knuckleheads he had a couple years ago and then the mm-hmm. young guys. They, they've, they've been good. Uh, I don't think they've been great. I think it's an opportunity to upgrade uh, as a recruiter, and uh, but um, if he stays, that's great too. Uh, but if he moves on, I think we can do okay. Yeah, I, I, I would back, think running back yeah. coach. I remember yeah. the great um, the great Doug Matthews once said, um, "A running back has it or he doesn't have it when he gets to college." He said, "You can't teach a great running back. They, they it's just God given." He said, "You can." You can inspire them, you can, and I'm paraphrasing this last part, you can inspire them, you can tell them where to be, uh, you can improve their technique, but a great running back is born, not taught. So we're going to fire it up, we're going to focus it, we're going to prepare it. Watson Brown's going to join us. Congratulations to your chief. They're having their they're having their parade today uh, up in uh, Kansas City, and they they working on a dynasty. I'm, I'm picking them till somebody says so, Sean, at this point with that quarterback. Yeah, I don't know. I think they've uh I think they stole one from your Eagles last year. Yeah. Uh, I think that um I think that um Shanahan, I think that he uh uh frankly frankly I think he blew it. Uh so I think we I think uh, the Chiefs have been uh, the beneficiaries of some uh, obviously, Mahomes is great. I don't think he's the greatest or anything, but he's he's very good. Uh, but we'll see. I think salary cap's going to come up against him this year. But I'm really happy for my uh, I'm happy for my extended family. I've uh, you know I've, I haven't lived there in 50 years, uh, so I've kind of moved on. I've always liked the Chiefs, but I'm really happy because for my uh, my extended family because they've uh, <laughs> they had a long time of crap football and. Um, it's nice they get a little bit of sunshine right now. Yeah, those are your peeps, man. And the ultimate bridesmaid, Andy Reid, uh, went there. And uh, I, I don't know if he learned how to win it all or I don't know if it's quarterback play, right place, right time. Whatever it is, they've got it going. Meanwhile, Alabama looks like they're floundering in the assistant coach uh, uh, ranks. Looks like Nick Sheridan's going to be their offensive coordinator at least that's the talk uh boy that'll be fun to see uh we've got a lot to get into today they're voting on a new playoff format uh we'll talk about that uh in terms of how they're going to slice up to 12 what the implications are for tennessee and others that you know want to be in that number uh especially with nico here you want to be in that number we'll talk with watson I i gave watson an assignment to look at the quarterbacks in the league, think about where Nico falls in that spectrum. I'll tell you where I think Nico falls. I think he's the best player in college football, personally, and I think he's going to prove that. But in the meantime, we'll do it on the other side as we continue. Sean's here. It is a Wednesday. We're working late night tonight as well. Uh, Garza Law, Tennessee basketball overtime with the Vols go final tonight if they ever go final. It's a 9 Eastern start, so probably be jumping on the air around 11:30 eastern time as we continue i don't know how much we're going to go today but as we continue with more maybe we'll shut the show off after like an hour how's that sound actually we've got a big program lined up for you chris burke's going to join us in hour two we're going to talk uh some uh 
ten, the the Tennessee baseball series with him in the beginning of of baseball, and then also um, a guy Matt Brown's going to make his debut with us, who works in the college sports space, and we're going to talk with him about this not not the Tennessee trial, but where college football goes, how long it's going to take to get there. And he's saying, uh, be really careful trying to draw any conclusions from the SEC and the Big Ten meeting. And he he wants solutions, and I I agree with him. So he's got some interesting things to say. We'll talk with him as we continue. In the meantime, the Tennessee fan base awaits word of what's going to happen in Greenville, and we stay caught in the crossfire, at least for now, as we continue. We're looking to the courts for relief. As we are, we going to get it? Who knows? But we continue with more after this. This is Coach Devin Simler from Columbia Central Baseball. You are listening to 101.7 WKOM in Columbia, Tennessee. Alert, alert! Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram has a huge announcement. We're expanding our service center to get you in and out quicker than ever. That's right, five new service bays to get your vehicle back on the road. Don't drive a Chrysler Dodge Jeep or Ram. It doesn't matter. Our certified technicians are trained to work on all makes or models. More service, less time. Only at Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. Family owned and operated. You can count on us. This is Dr. Dominic Mancini from the Dr. Gill Center. If your car was damaged in an auto accident, chances are you'd fix the car. Why wouldn't you give that same attention to yourself? Untreated whiplash injuries of the spinal column may lead to conditions such as headaches, numbness in the arms, neck and back pain. The doctors at the Dr. Gill Center specialize in detecting and treating such injuries from an auto accident. Accident consultations are free. Call me painfree.com or call 615-551-9224. In today's uncertain world, you can never be too careful about your family's financial future. That's why the Parker Group, a part of Baird's Private Wealth Management, is offering a free second opinion on your financial plans. Let us review your current plan, and we will identify any gaps and offer suggestions to improve it. Please call the Parker Group at 931-548-3737. That's 931-548-3737. Robert W. Baird & Company Incorporated does not offer tax or legal advice. Hi, Jimmy here for Columbia Ace Hardware. Columbia Ace Hardware now carries Magnolia Home by Joanna Gaines Paint. Now their premium quality and huge selection of colors will be right in your neighborhood. Along with the award-winning service and advice, Columbia Ace has always provided for your paint projects. Around the block, what you need in stock, with people who know their paint. Columbia Ace, the helpful place. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at 10pin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. 
Do you have trees that need trimming or removed? Do you have stumps that you want ground? A1 Tree Removal is a family-owned and operated business local to Columbia and Lewisburg and servicing surrounding Middle Tennessee. They are licensed and insured and provide free estimates. No job is too big. No tree is too small. Give old Luke a call or text Luke at 931-359-3113. Or you can check them out on Facebook and tell A1 Tree Removal that you heard this ad on the radio. If you love America, you will love A1 Tree Removal. Hello, this is Rick Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. What is a full-service jeweler? Experienced staff, custom designers, in-house jewelry repairs, and beautiful jewelry. Yes, at Tillis Jewelry, we are passionate, knowledgeable, and committed to integrity. We strive to be the best in our community and in our profession. We build long-term relationships and become part of family traditions that will cross generations. We delight clients by providing an unparalleled selection, superior service, and exceptional value. Tillis Jewelry, we exceed your expectations. The generations that have paved the way for us deserve respect, integrity, and compassion. This is Kelly Dobson, owner of Caring Hearts Home Healthcare. My grandmother and mother started this business in 2005, and I was honored to take over in 2012. Licensed and insured, we help our aging community stay in the comfort of their own homes. Online at caringheartshomehealthcarellc.com, by phone 931-381-5470, or in person at 1121 Trawood Avenue here in Columbia. That's Caring Hearts Home Healthcare. Debbie Matthews grew up and lives in beautiful Columbia, Tennessee. As a realtor, she is well-versed in homes, neighborhoods, development, and schools. She wants to share her love of her home state with others to help them find just the right place to raise a family, open a business, or develop a dream. From luxury listings to land, she can handle it all. She is the current leading producer, Nashville Realty Group. Contact Debbie Matthews Realtor at 615-476-3224. That's 615-476-3224. Columbia's own 8th Annual Mid-State Classic Collegiate Softball Triple Header returns on April 2nd at the Ridley Sports Complex. Columbia Central versus Spring Hill at 10 a.m. Then it's Columbia State versus UT Southern at 1.30. And at 5.30, the Lady Volunteers face off against the Memphis Tigers. Tickets are available online at columbiatn.com slash midstateclassic. Tickets are $10 and good for all three games. The Mid-State Classic, April 2nd. See you at the game. Hi, I'm Kurt Green. If you're looking for a great night of acapella music, all you've got to do is come out on the 24th and you'll see us at the Cherry Theater, 7th Element. And you will have such a great time. I'm hoping that all of the community comes out and supports this wonderful concert. It's at 6 p.m. I don't want you to miss it because you can find it so easily on Eventbrite. And just look for 7th Element in France. You're going to love it. Get your tickets today. This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern Middle Tennessee. WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia. I'm absolutely feeling the love today for the great Watson Brown. and Sean Sinclair is with me, and Brian Hartman is with me. and You know, there's just something about Valentine's. If you don't have one, consider me yours. I'll be your Valentine for the next couple hours because there's nothing but love for you, honey, from where I stand. Even the haters. You know, the haters going to hate, 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 hate. But I love you anyway. I love you anyway. Wednesdays with Watson Brown. Let's get him on in here. The great Watson Brown, I bow thy head when I say thy name. Watson, another NFL season has come and gone. And we've lived through it, and the Chiefs are champions again, and uh, that was a heck of a game. It was a heck of a game. It was a heck of a second half. The first half, I, 
I really thought there were a lot of mistakes made. It wasn't played great, uh, especially on offense. And neither team could do anything because of mistakes on first and second down. So now you're in third down and long, and not much happened. But, man, the second half, Tony, was fantastic. Is what we all hoped to see. And players that you would think would make plays in the second half made them on both sides of the ball, and the ones that didn't, didn't. So it's, it's a, it, it was a great second half. Our guy, Juwan Jennings, who we love here, came very, very close to winning that MVP, which would have been an yeah. incredible story. Out of nowhere, that would have been an incredible story. Uh, and I loved him in high school. Uh, watching him play at Black mm. and uh, I go way back with watching him and he's always been just like he was in that Super Bowl he's a really a watching him at a young age very tough kid really really tough and really really competitive and didn't back down from anything anybody uh, always showed up when he had to I mean uh, what he was there is what you see and I'm telling you that's I'm a big believer in in uh, talent, and then you got to do something with it. A lot of people are given talent. Certain people do a lot with that talent and reach the goals of that talent, and I, I think he's gotten about all he can get out of his talent. Yeah, you coaching types love kids like him. I, I think huh. coaches would be apt to put a guy on the field that might be a step slower, but yet is more apt to sell out when blocking downfield. Uh, more apt to be a team leader. Uh, everything about that guy just exudes winner when, when I think about Jennings. And I, I think back to um, early in the, in the, late in the season, or I guess it might have been a playoff, early in the playoff, Shanahan was asked about him blocking somebody into the Gatorade table. And he said, listen, he said, our first camp, the veterans came to me. And so, Coach, you got to do something about this guy. They said he's uh, he's showing us up. And he said, I walked them right over to the video. I said, sit down and watch us. You guys think he's showing you up. This is why we took him. And then he said, I showed him clips of him at Tennessee. And this is who he is. And he finishes blocks downfield. And this is how the guy plays. So it's nothing personal. So get your stuff on and, and meet him at practice tomorrow. He's not going to change. Which Watson, that's, you know, I mean, that's what people, especially in this era, a guy like that is always going to stick out, isn't he? Oh, always. And I, I, I think we coaches go way, way, way too far in not hunting enough of those kind of guys. Mm. Uh, I do. I, I've felt that for years. I've always had to play with a lot of those guys because I wasn't at the, as a head coach, I wasn't at the better schools and and uh, to, to bring in the better talent, and I and I had to play with those guys. But even I didn't hunt enough of them. Uh, we all get so hung up in high weight foot speed, Tony. And then when all these services started happening many years ago, twenty, thirty years ago, when they start showing up and rating everybody, mm. now we coaches jump all over the rated kids. And um, two things coaches do wrong. Number one is not taking enough of those guys. Number two, making decisions too quickly on kids. And and uh, that's because you have to because everybody else is doing it. But you bring a kid to your camp, you love him. He ain't got pads on or nothing. You love him. You offer him. And uh, it's too quick. You need to see him do the stuff we're talking about. You can't see that in, in a 
flag football camp, you can't see it. You can time him. You can see how pretty he is. You, you can do all that. But you can't see that last big piece. And that's how big is that heart. How competitive is he? How tough is he? Uh, mentally and physically, and mm-hmm. uh, we coaches, we're idiots in that way, in my opinion. Maybe there is a – well, and there's a real sense of peer pressure, too, with Big coaches time. and the services and having to take yeah. – like, if you're, if you're looking at a guy and you know he's overrated, which coaches do, like coaches all across the country know when a guy's overrated, but then if I take him, it helps my rating – or if I'm an assistant, I go into the room and I fight for him. I might not be here in a couple of years. Who cares if he works out? It'll be a chip that I've recruited, and I'll get a raise based on the number of stars I brought in. And if people don't think, Watson, that that stuff goes on in recruiting, they're crazy, aren't they? They're nuts. You're dead game right it does. And, and it's not that you don't think he's a player. Your mind's already set that he's, he's a five-star and and – 25 other people have already offered him, and it, it, it's not that you don't think he can play. It's that pressure of, i got to win this war just like i got to win on Saturdays. And and it's a mistake, I'm telling you. The, the, the services don't miss them all, but they miss a bunch. And and uh, you're, you, you've nailed it to me, Tony. And taking them too quick, judging them in your camp when they're sophomores, offering them um, – in the old days, you had to be more careful because your kids didn't leave. They stayed. You built the yes. program. It took you four or five years to do it. In today's world, you don't. They can get away with those mistakes a lot easier mm-hmm. because you get them to leave, or they leave because they're not playing. They aren't good enough, and they go somewhere else. So these coaches in today's world, in my opinion, that's one way they got it a lot easier than when I was coming up through the ranks. You know what's funny, too, about football that I've always thought is interesting? And I talk to veteran guys down through the years, and they say, you know, you get in one of these camps, NFL, college, whatever, but particularly in college, these highly rated guys will walk out there, and the first couple practices, the kids have always told me down through the years, you can always see the guys that can play, and you can always see the guys that are kind of overrated. And, it, and it's almost like right away you can almost see it. Yes, you can uh, new coaches won't admit it. I can now. I'm I'm not coaching anymore. But um, you you can tell within a week of camp. You can mm-hmm. nearly tell within a day of camp uh, in the old days because they didn't come in at midterms like they do now. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, they come in during preseason with you, and and you you said, oh geez, I hope I'm wrong, but this don't look good to me. And usually you weren't wrong when you did that. And, like I say, misses in those days really hurt your program a whole lot worse than misses in today's world. That's one of the – there's a lot of disadvantages in coaching in today's world. In my personal opinion, that's one of the big advantages is you can make a mistake and it don't hurt you too bad. I guess the crazy thing, too, about football, thinking about it, Watson, is all the mistakes that are made, even when you have all the information you have. I mean, what about all those – NFL teams passing on Brock Purdy. People could say whatever they want to say about him. There's reasons the Niners lost the other day, but he wasn't one of them. He, he functioned really well in that football game, and I mean they pressured him from the word go. Right, it didn't phase him. He hung in there. He did. And and But, Tony, it goes back to what we're talking about. Oh, oh three words. Height, weight, foot speed. Height, weight, foot speed. 
And this kid's small, he's short, and I'm telling you, then all of a sudden he goes down the ladder on the basics, and that is so wrong to do. Man, have I coached some good quarterbacks shorter than him. Some really good ones. I think about right down from you all at Vanderbilt with Whit Taylor. He's five ten, but he played in uh, he played professional football for quite a few years after he left Vanderbilt. And uh, I had one named Daryl Hackney. He played against Tennessee. We nearly beat Tennessee that day at UAB. And I had a kid named Daryl Hackney that was fantastic. He goes to the to the Senior Bowl and they measure him, and he measured five ten and three quarters or something. Done. That's it. And he went way down the ladder, and he stayed in the league a few years as a backup with the Broncos. And and uh, we get in that hot weight foot speed stuff uh, way, way too much. goes right back to what we're talking about earlier here. Lots of people tell me Purdy's a hoopty, and I hear you loving on him on the air, and he's really not that good. And I'm sitting there thinking, for a guy not that good, he should have won a Super Bowl. That ain't too bad. And by the way, they had uh, Jennings open. So I, this leads me to this. And Senko, jump in here as well. I, I was um, I was pretty shocked, first of all, at the at the NFL's format for the playoff uh, because I didn't I didn't know about it. I don't know if you did. I didn't know they had changed the rules. I'll just say that out loud. I don't think Tony Romo knew what the real rules were and that they changed the rules. Otherwise, why didn't he say, Watson, you can't, when you've got across the sideline over there, when you've got Pat Mahomes, you you cannot take the ball first in overtime if they're going to get the ball second. Can you? Don't you have to defer there? Yeah, I don't. You know me, Tony, now for a couple of years, I'm not big on getting on coaches because they get too much credit as it is, and then too much to blame. But this this one cost them the championship, and you just cannot let Patrick Mahomes have four down. You can't do that. And the team that goes second gets four downs. Yep, they get four downs. That's just all there is to it, unless unless the other side didn't score. That's the only way you could say that he doesn't get four downs. And uh, giving him four downs, it's like giving him two minutes and then end of the game there uh, to go down and tie it up and go into overtime. You you cannot give somebody like that that. And, and for his players not to understand, Tony, coaches, we spend, gosh, um, I don't know how many minutes in practice we spend on overtime uh, as coaches and and put our kids in those situations in practice. And every scrimmage, you'd go to into an overtime situation late, late in your scrimmage against each other or whatever. And for the 49ers not to know the rules, uh, their players not to know the rules of overtime, uh, honestly, he's getting away with it more than I thought he would, sitting there watching the game. And what? And the other thing, Watson, that's kind of crazy, right? The other thing that's kind of, when you when you start talking about the overtime rules, is that at the end of that other overtime where the Chiefs scored, they were going to flip the clock and play another quarter. So if they didn't score with eight seconds left there... Yeah, I knew that. I, I wasn't... I didn't bother See, I didn't all. realize that. I didn't, re- I didn't... I thought there was eight seconds left. I, because they, yeah. they weren't well, telling us the, on the telecast. That's the normal season route. Right. You play a quarter and, and it ends in a tie. 
if, right. if, if you don't, you know, beat one of them, then beat the other one within that quarter. But that's not the, the rules that there were. And Tony was trying to talk about it, but I think somebody's in his ears telling him what the rule is. I'm not, I agree with you. I'm not sure Tony knew the rule either. I guess there hadn't been one, and I'm not sure when they changed that rule. I knew what it was. I didn't know all of it, though. I didn't realize, and I think I'm right about this, because I read it later, that yeah. after two series apiece, then it goes to whoever scores first wins. Because I thought Shanahan, his excuse was, when I read it later, he said, well, I wanted the ball first if third. we got to the yeah. to the third thing That's to where right. we had That's a chance right. to win. It's, with, those, with those quarterbacks, it's not getting through four. Four series. It's it's not going to get through both of you having it twice. Somebody is going to score and win that game. I think what he meant, Watson, was the third. I think the way the rule is, and again, this is Brian or I don't know uh, Sean can correct me. I think it's one each, and then from there, it's first first team that scores wins. I think each team gets a chance. Is it one each? Brian Hartman, See, do you I, know? I, we don't even know the route. No, no, I'm, I'm admitting I it, knew but... the first part of it. I did, I did know yeah. all of that. But I didn't know, okay, after this amount of time, here's what happens next. I did not. I don't it particularly is. like the college rule right now that they've done where we've gone to like a kick, a kick up, whatever you want to call that. I don't like the college format of how they decide... No, uh, and I know why they're doing it. They they don't want these kids playing long periods of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the college game, uh, the, the pros play a lot more games, but the college game's longer. It's probably 20, 25 plays longer than a pro game. Uh, in some games when both teams are going fast, it's more than that. And I know why they've done it. They just don't want to kill these kids. And I can remember, was it Ole Miss LSU or Ole Miss somebody? where it just went on and on and on, and you could tell the kids were just gone. I know what they're trying to do, but I still don't think we figured it out just right this year, Tony. I agree with you with that. I wonder if college ball uh, goes to an NFL format when it gets to their playoff, because that doesn't seem like a really good way to decide a college playoff game, that kind of goofy thing that we do. Yeah. Uh, at the end of games. So just, just a thought. If, just, I'm not sure myself, but I think they need to look at that. Because you don't want to lose on something that small when you've played such a hard-nosed, tough game and got to where you are. I agree with you. I still think college needs to look at their playoff system and figure. keep working to see if you can't figure out a better system. Great Watson Brown joining. Speaking of the college playoff, the uh, automatic bids details are coming out now. This is from Brad Crawford over at 247. Uh, the college football playoff board of managers going to meet next week, going to yeah. vote on the, on the new 12-team model. Here's the, the, the way it currently stands is they were going to give the Pac-12 a, a designation, which would have meant six openings uh, for at-large teams. Now it's going to be a 5-7 model. Uh, so they're going to cut cut out the Pac-12, even though Washington State and I think Oregon State are the two teams that are going to play under that umbrella in football, which kind of makes no sense. But so seven uh, seven um, at-large teams, and I didn't realize this, but uh, but I'm reading the fine print here. Under this proposal, Notre Dame cannot get one of the top one of the first four. 
uh, seed, so they can't get a bye because they don't play in a league. Is that fair, Watson? If if Notre Dame goes undefeated, that 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 they um, would not get a bye because they're not a league. I don't think I don't I don't like it myself, but I I think it's going to push Notre Dame to end up in a conference before it's over. They're not going to like that when they start doing it, and and uh, right now they can kind of deal with it, but. I don't think they're going to like it when they start doing it. And uh, I don't know, Tony. I've always thought Notre Dame in today's world, they haven't been the Notre Dame you and I grew up knowing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was recruited there, went to games there, watched Notre Dame play Purdue and went on my visit, and and, um, which was a huge rival then. It doesn't seem to be as much in today's world, but it was then. And, and uh, I just don't think they're what they were, and I don't think they can be till they get in a conference. Uh, just the competitiveness of that conference, and you're playing a non-conference schedule, you're different than everybody else. Um, in the old days, they could do that, but now I just don't think they can. And if I'm them, I'd, I'd go to the Big Ten or the SEC or the ACC, where they want to go, I'd go. Yeah, the, the, the five plus seven things can be really interesting and, and, and one has to wonder, uh, you know, to me, Watson, and I could be crazy, you know, getting one of those first four and getting a bye obviously is great. But man, if you are five through eight and you get to play a home playoff game in one of these big, huge college stadiums, I mean, could you close your eyes and picture the atmosphere in Neyland Stadium? If Tennessee landed, let's say, as a six seed and they played, uh, I don't know, uh, a Penn State in uh, in their building, somebody like that, I mean, how incredible would that atmosphere be? You'd almost rather be that than having one of those buys. You'd almost rather play one of those hosting playoff games just to just for the experience of it. Yeah, I think I think you're dead right, and I think they're going to be unbelievable atmospheres, unbelievable, much more than most people think. And uh, I heard a lot of people saying earlier, "Oh, this isn't good going to the stadiums." I said, "Watch it, <laughs> just watch it, and the atmosphere and the parties all around. It, it's it's going to be fantastic." It's one thing Alabama playing Tennessee. It, it, it's another. When you're playing for a national championship, and uh, I'm just telling you that this is don't change that format because I love these these teams getting to play at home for a game, and I think that the the, the week off is still more important than even that, Tony, because you've just played such a long brutal schedule and and you've just played in your conference championship probably. Um, so it, I don't think that week off will hurt them at all. Um, um, I know there are there is time in between, but I still think that bye will mean a lot and just one less game you got to play. Hadn't really proved out to be in the in the NFL because no. a lot of times the team with the bye loses. Uh, but I just think in college the kids aren't as used to it as the NFL. Maybe it'll grow to that, but I think that bye will mean too much early. Yeah, I wonder if it helps or hurts sometimes. Um, the other thing you have in the pro game that you're not going to have in college like you're talking about is a lot of those teams win their division comfortably and kind of cruise into the playoffs. A couple of them have like a few weeks off, sort of like you do in baseball. Mm-hmm. And, and then when that occurs, you have a chance to lose your momentum. Uh, yeah. And then you have to get your mojo back and 
you know, it's kind of a difficult deal. You know, you, I wonder if a buy helps or hurts as well, but we're going to see all this play out because it's going to be a lot of fun. But the 5-7 model is going to get adopted next week, which means there's going to be six open slots because they have to take a group of five, which I guess begs the question. And, Watson, I've been a long proponent of letting the group of five teams have their own playoff. I think they ought to break the, break those teams off, and at least for the mm-hmm. postseason. I just think it's silly. I, I think to throw like a Liberty – and I love Jamie Chowell to death, but to throw a Liberty in the middle of this thing next year just doesn't make any sense to me. To me, that's symbolism. That doesn't make any sense. No, and I, I think it'll take some time, Tony, but that's where we're headed. There's going to be a Power Five and a Group of Five in the FCS and Division Two. That's where we're headed. I think a lot of those FCS will move up to Group of Fives. They already are. A bunch of them already have, but I think more will at that point. And, uh, it'll make the group of five, it'll give the group of fives a chance to make money because we're getting major splits now. The money differences in group of fives today compared to the power fives is so much different than it's ever been. And there's just no way. There's no way they can stay and, and ever put a team together. I think that can, yeah, you could win a game, but to go all the way through and win the whole thing, I just, you, with, with the, the money differences, and don't think money doesn't matter, with the money differences, there's going to be a bigger split in talent, and it won't just be a player here and there. It will be the depth of the talent. And the depth yeah. of the talent is what wins you championships, not one game, but championships. Yeah, when we turn to say no playoff sport, the other thing that's be really interesting is these coaches that get to the playoffs each year but are unable to advance, and the, the additional pressure – that it puts on them from fan bases, uh, and and the weirdness of this money era. You know, Watson. One of the things I, I'm thinking back to uh, the Terry Donahue days, the Dick Vermeil Terry Donahue days at UCLA, and then what that program is right now. And if there isn't a greater advertisement for the power and influence of money in the game of modern college football, the fact that UCLA had a coach leave and go to the same league to become an offensive coordinator under a guy, by the way, in Ryan Day, who he started at New Hampshire uh, in the deal, which is kind of an interesting little footnote there. But back in the day, no way a head coach leaves to become a coordinator, but we're in, the, we're in an era where the money is so crazy, and it's even so great to be a coordinator at a place like Ohio State. And then UCLA Athletics... We all know this because we follow the stuff, and I know you got friends in it. They're broker than the Ten Commandments, uh, Watson. So yes, they are. That yeah. that that job looks on paper like boy, that's incredible. Deshaun Foster's the head coach at UCLA. They don't have any money. How, how are you going to no compete money. without any money today, Watson? How are you going to do that? You can't. I don't know how long it's going to take UCLA when they get start bringing the money in from the Big Ten and all of that. But Tony, it's a ways away. Um, that's exactly, you saw quite a few power group of five coaches leave and go to Alabama as they were head coaches and go as to be assistants. I mean, uh, it's, it's the way of the world. Money, money is speaking and the money is going to make it, the money speaks and the money separates. It separates the ones the haves and the have nots even more so and more so and more so. And, and, uh, I think back about when I was playing in the mm-hmm. 60s and the early mm-hmm. 70s and, and, uh, 
you, your money came from your your how many people come to the games and your fundraiser. That was it, and that ain't even near the biggies now. These these TV packages are running the show, and uh, it's going to get worse. And you're dead right; it's going to separate, man. And that's the reason UCLA went. They had no choice but to go. They're not bringing in any money. And uh, they had to go, and but but once they go now, get ready. You're going to watch them fall off quite a bit for a few years. And hopefully we see them back because you and I grew up where UCLA was an important part of college football. Iconic. I heard that news over the weekend. I'm thinking, man, that that – that just seals the deal for me, this ridiculous era that we're living in where the NCAA is still trying to hold on to this thing that's amateur with what they're doing with, with uh, the state of Tennessee and Virginia and that court case, which is going on right now that we're not going to talk about, thank God. And yeah. then and then uh, that deal there where a guy leaves for a member school in their league and I mean, I, I grant it. He was probably in a little bit of trouble there. Maybe he restarts his clock, whatever it is. But generally, you go to the end there and you make them pay you, and then you go get a coordinator job. Something like that would have been there waiting for him. But uh, it just speaks to where we are in this era and the insanity therein, which leads me to this. So Tennessee, um, some of the things I read about that NCA case. They really marked themselves when they got the star of stars and, and did it kind of openly uh, in Nico. Mm-hmm. When you reflect on him and we think about the upcoming season, the 2024 season, and he walks out on the field for the Vols, where will he rank in your, as you think about it, in your quarterback rankings for the upcoming year Where in the SEC? Where, where would you put him? He would be the best of the inexperienced by far. I would probably put him. I think there's five quarterbacks coming back that were really, really good players. I mean, let's see if we can count them. And the guy at Texas, yeah. the guy at Alabama, the guy at Ole Miss, the guy at Georgia, and probably the guy at Missouri. I'd put him either in front or behind him or the star, but I don't mean anything. I mean, he's it, it's where he finishes, and I think he'll pass some of those as the year goes on. Uh, with Tennessee coaches, I watched them what they did with Hendon Hooker, mm-hmm. and honestly, I watched them where they took the one they had this year. I mean, they they took him as far as they could possibly take him, and he played about as good as he could possibly play for Tennessee. And and uh, and now that Nico's going to get that and the, be the man, and what they're doing with him today on campus right now, things they're doing with him right now. He's going to be really good. It'll take him a few games, and uh, but it, it won't take him long. But I put him about six today just because I keep putting him in front of those guys that have done it and were really good this year that are, that are coming back. So I'm not out of bounds in saying that this guy is – I think he's the best player in college football. I really do. I think he's, he's going to be that good. I'm not out of bounds in saying that. Like you, you think this season's going to prove that this this son of a gun's really obviously somebody like you. It's coach going to say, Tony, that's a ridiculous statement. You can't say that. But but I'm dealing in the real in in what I think is going to happen. I think he's going to be an absolute superstar, and I think this offense is going to ascend because I just look at that bowl game. First of all, the people I talk to at Tennessee say this guy's different in the way he's worked, in his humility. 
in the way he pays attention, in the fact that he's professional, in everything that he's done. And he's so much different than I thought he was going to be. And and Watson, you know, I'm not a big, you have your entourage with you, and I'm going to, you know, that stuff, I just despise that stuff, quite honestly. And I kind of wanted to dislike this guy, just to be honest with everybody listening, and thought I would. But you cannot judge a book by its cover. You cannot let your first impressions of something, which are erroneous, uh, carry the day. You just can't do that in anything. So um, he has been, I think he's been a model citizen. The stuff we said about Juwan Jennings is kind of what I get from this guy behind the scenes from people I talk to. And can you imagine if you take Juwan Jennings' want to and package it in the package of this kid a bigger, stronger, faster Bryce Young is what you're talking about in this guy. I think this guy's going to be a dynamite college football player. So am I crazy in saying that at the end of the year he's going to be number one, or is that just a ridiculous thing to come out of my mouth? No, it's not ridiculous. I, I, I would say that there's a chance of that, but I think that Tennessee has got to get a lot better around him for him to be the best player in college football. You can't be... In the football world, you can in basketball, you can in baseball. You can't be the best player in football without being on a really, really good team. And so I think it's going to be two things. What does Tennessee do around him? How good a, how good a personnel are they putting? How good a players are they putting around him? And how much bigger and stronger can this kid get? Because I thought that was leaving the season, watching him play the last game. He looked a little frail to me. He looked a little thin. And I'm not talking about his ability. I'm not sure that he'll get stronger that it'll make him that much better, but it'll protect him. And uh, I just go back to myself and how well thought of I was and how good I was doing. And boom, one play, and I never play again. And just taking care of yourself and being around good players to where you can take care of yourself and getting bigger and stronger. Uh, the experience is going to come. He's getting that right now. He's getting that right now in the winter. You say you can just get it on game day. Uh-uh. You can get it a bunch before you ever get to game day. And and uh, then you just add to it on game day. But I, I don't disagree with you, Tony. I saw all the pieces. The one thing I loved about him that I've always loved in quarterbacks is he did not get upset when he wasn't playing. He would say, man, I'm learning so much. And I'm learning from Joe. I'm learning from these coaches. Arch Manning is doing the same thing, and uh, both of them, to me, are going to be great players in time. And uh, just because of the way they handle themselves, my gosh, do they? Do those two guys right there have could be egotistical and be out the door and bigger than Knoxville itself, or the bigger than the state? Uh, they're not. They're, they're, they're mature for their years, and so I think all the things you're saying is proper. But come on, Tennessee, put a great team around him. Well, that's such a good point. I mean, you know, the, 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 what kind of lineman do you have around you? Oh, uh, you're not going to you know. be in football. In football. You're not going to be the best player in football. Unless you're on a good yeah. team, Patrick Mahomes would not be what he is. No, that's right. That's right. If he that's was right. with the with with the Panthers or whatever, he would not nah. be. I don't care what you say. Football has got the team around you matters so much more than any sport there is. Well, that's a great point. 
and and elevating the level of the receiver play and and this oh. that and the other and he but there's no doubt that he's going to um at some point who, so who's who's number 1 coming back is it yours is it Milrow? is the kid is it the uh is it the kid at um Georgia no, I, got Beck. I think the kid at Georgia okay. is absolute number 1 I thought he played that way all year uh, he played well in the game they lost to Alabama late. I think it's him. I think in everything from there, you kind of put them in a pile, really. I'm not, I'm not sure any of the others just excite me. They did play good, but I, I just didn't just, I wasn't just killer excited about the Texas kid. I'd get excited and then all of a sudden I'd say, Oh, geez. Uh, the kid at Ole Miss, kind of the same thing. Excited and all of a sudden he'd do something. You know, and I, I think Milrow, you got to use him exactly the right way. You got to use the guy at Ole Miss exactly the right way. Um, and I'm not sure that uh, the Missouri kids got good enough team around him to, to stay where he is in my mind to stay maybe fifth on this list right now. I'm not sure Missouri's going to come back and just be that that good again. So I just look at it, Tony, different a lot. I guess I just look at it about. How good a player is he, and how good a team is he on? And uh, that's why I think Nico's got a chance to move up the ladder because only one I put up on that pedestal, and I thought that was Beck. And why do I do that? Because he's also on the best team in the SEC. They didn't win, oh, but they were the best team in the SEC. Yeah, amen. I mean, he's he he's in a spot where uh, he just has to manage it. And you know what? That's right. that's, that's kind of what you want to do as a staff when you're recruiting and you get a guy like Nico, you want to put a team around him uh, that where he just has to go out and manage it and not be all world, not to do yeah, everything. I, I, I've always said, Tony, you want a manager first and then a playmaker second. You want him to manage the team to where you don't lose. You don't beat yourself. Manage the team. But when it comes time off script to go make a play, he can do that for you. But I always put manage the team first. Tell you what, man, I love, 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 love the, the uh, off-script guys in college football. I'm not sure how much that works in the NFL because I think eventually you really get yourself hurt. But the off-script guys in college ball, I mean, well, I say that, and then, and then you think about some of the plays in the playoffs that Mahomes made, but his stuff is almost within the script just out of different arm angles and his ability to improvise. Uh, the thing that gets me about a guy like Mahomes Watson is he doesn't run essentially all playoffs till he really has to. And then in the playoffs in that defini- definitive final drive when they scored that touchdown in overtime, he just took off and sold out. I mean, he dove head oh. first. Yeah, and uh, mistakes made by the 49ers going and tackling the dive and letting him do that. I yes. thought that was major defensive mistakes. Bosa is running down taking dives, and it just leaves Mahomes on the corner by himself. But – what I'm talking about off script, Tony, I, I, I think it does happen more in the NFL maybe than what, what you're saying. To me, it does. Look at Purdy. Look at all the plays he made off script through the playoffs. They weren't just by design. That's I think point. Shanahan is the best in the world at doing pass plays by design. I don't think he's a great dropback guy, Shanahan, but I think he designs those. Pass plays by design that all you got to do is get it to them. 
That's the manager of it. But then when that breaks down, look at the plays Purdy made with his feet and different things to put his team where they were. And without those off-script plays, they're not there. The 49ers are not there. And he made more than Mahomes through the playoffs. Patrick did it more by, with his arm through the playoffs. But when it, but I'm telling you, I think both of those guys can do that. They're both managers first, but yet they can beat you off script. And it's hard to win championships with a quarterback that can't beat you off script. Watson Brown, you're the absolute greatest intercontinental champion. I appreciate you for uh... – jumping in with us today more than you'll ever know it's always an absolute pleasure to break it down scientifically with you is there anything else you care to add on this glory day as uh we call it a day here with wednesdays with watson well tony it's sad (laughs) it's always sad to me when football season ends uh, but we take a deep breath, and now we start looking at the future and watching what everybody's doing. Oh, and get excited yeah. Get, get. So in some ways, the spring's even more fun because, as a coach, it was always fun to me because, okay, take a deep breath. Now how are we going to get better? Where are we going to get better? How can we do this? And fans do the same thing. So it, it's sad the last snap was over, but already people are thinking about next season and where are we going to be when we kick yeah. that first time off. And me and Brian are going to have a United Football League kickoff party for their first game. So we're excited about the UFL. I don't know what that – will you watch the Spring League, Watson? Or, or am yes. I the only degen- – yes, yes. Yes, I will. I love Guys football. Guys are competing. And, and Guys I, are competing, I, I yes. Uh, like Whit Taylor. When, 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 when Whit Taylor played uh, yep. with uh, the Michigan Panthers, that was good Panthers, football, man, in the old USFL. Yeah, he was with both, yeah. When he yeah. Was first one with Michigan. I like, I like spring ball because I love football. Yeah. Uh, I just want to see one make it now. USFL is the only one that really did, and it didn't last long. But no. it made it. It made it, and then it fell off. But I'd love to see this league make it where we all get to enjoy football year-round. Just as long as Jared Garantano doesn't quarterback that team in Houston, and I'm cheering for because if that happens, I'll be just. They're playing in my old stadium, Rice Stadium. They are, yeah. That's right. Teams playing in my old stadium, man. There was a Super Bowl there. That is a unique old place. I'm telling you. Which which Super Bowl took place down there, Watson? Was it? I forget the year. The Dolphins and somebody. Second was was it it the the second one? Uh, yeah, it was early in the 70s. Yeah, the, 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 It was early in the 70s. That's fun. And the, and the Houston Oilers that end up in Tennessee, I met with those folks for three weeks in a row, Tony, because they're all upset at the Astrodome. I'll finish with this story, and I'm the AD at Rice. And I met with all of those guys for three weeks, and they were going to move to Rice Stadium and play and get out of the Astrodome. They ended up not doing it, and they ended up leaving, and here they are in Nashville, Tennessee now. So it's a neat story. Thank you, Watson. Great talking to you, man. The great Watson. Okay, guys. It's always an honor. Thank you, brother. You you don't think he could tell you some stories, do you? He met with the Euler organization right before they moved to Tennessee, because remember, they were in that terrible dispute down there. They Memory serves, they they were going to play a preseason game and rolled out there, and the turf was so bad. In the old Astrodome, they had to call the teams off the field, if if memory serves, from the uh, early and mid-90s. And they they ended up, in, the Knoxville Sports Council brought them to, um, brought them to uh, 
pound to play a game against Heath Schuler in Neyland Stadium. Brian, do you remember that? That this is a true story. I think that's how Bud Adams first interfaced with the mayor down in Nashville. I think that's the story. Yeah, I went to that game. There you go. That occurred, yes, Brian. Yes, that, I was yes. at that game. I think that's the last time pro teams have played, NFL teams have played in Neyland. Yep. Used to be a deal where they would play on college. And the Steelers, college I think, stadiums. played there years and years ago before yep. my time. Yep, they used to play in college stadiums, the NFL teams, for preseason games. But now the NFL doesn't need you anymore because, well, my Eagles are playing in Barcelona to begin the year next year. I mean, are you freaking kidding me? you got to be freaking kidding me. At any rate, we'll come back. Uh, and upon the continuance, Matt Brown will join. I want to talk about uh, where college football is going. He's got some thoughts on this court case and how it's not the flashpoint everybody thinks it's going to be. And he's probably right. And uh, we'll bring him in. He's, co- he's covered the inner workings of the business of college sports, the law and all that stuff. So... We'll bring him in, and we'll talk with him on the other side. And then Chrissy Boy Burke, breaking it down scientifically. Cinco, are you still with me? And Cinco, if you are, do you have flow? Are you ready with some flow for the uh, Tennessee baseball team on Friday, Cinco? Do you have flow, and are you fired up? I am fired up. I do not have flow, will not get flow. Uh, hoping you have some kind of East Asian connection that won't tear up my computer system. Uh, but uh, hopefully John Wilkerson will be there doing his thing. But uh, I am extremely fired up. And I, uh, uh, absent a monsoon next week, I will be right there in my seats watching the first home game. Beautiful. Yeah, I'll be watching Flow. <clears throat> I don't have it yet, but I'm a degenerate, and I can't so let my man. Thirty bucks for three games is that right? Well, I mean, you just you know you get it and you cancel it. I think they have a free. Don't they have like a free subscription? Don't I think know. they, have, they a have a free, free deal. Day. Yeah, but my my issue is on those things. Those things are like um, some of these things. It's it's easy to get in. It's the Hotel California to get out. You keep. You, you can't cancel. There's no one to talk to. It's no doubt about it. So I, no doubt. That, and those things drive me nuts. But I'm a total degenerate. I got, a couple years ago, I got a Peacock. I thinking about it now. I got a Peacock subscription for the USFL, and I still have it, Sean, now that I think about it. So that was successful on me. That's your And that's kind of your point. Uh, one well, of my Peacock's degenerate... Okay Peacock's okay because you can watch the Premier League. Now, I did see a Boom. workaround where someone on uh, VolQuest said, if you're going to do that, go get a uh, a prepaid uh, 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 credit card. So then once it runs out, it runs out. Now, that's genius. Boom! I like that. Thanks for yeah. sharing. It's a little, little PSA from one of the VolQuest uh, uh, Twitty. Yeah. And, and by the way, um, you... I'll say this to you. I, I am a, uh, how do we say this? Oh, I am a borrowed streamer at times. But there ain't a borrowed stream in America that's going to run college baseball. If somebody finds somebody out there somewhere with a mirrored college baseball stream, more power to you, as they say in the trade. But uh, they don't even put college basketball up on the uh, mirrored streams anymore. You have to, You have to get really industrious to find a good, 
college basketball stream. But at any rate, when we come back, Matt Brown joins, and uh, he's with ExtraPointsMB.com. And we're going to talk about the budding bromance, one of his headlines, what to make of the budding bromance between the Big Ten and the SEC. And his his uh, subtext to that is, let's not overreact to another press release. So Matt Brown, I think you'll find very interesting uh, his thoughts on what the where the Vols are headed and what this thing is and where we're headed here and how far we are away from getting to where we're going. Because I'm going to tell you something, and, and I'll be really honest with you. If this keeps up for a couple more years, I don't know if I can keep doing this. Because I don't know what we're doing. I don't know what we're watching. I don't know what the rules are. I don't understand it. It's stupid. It feels childish. It feels vindictive. It feels like the NCAA is just Tennessee was too good too quickly and the Nico factor and the whole thing. So we'll bring uh, Matt Brown in and then Chris Burke later on in the hour and then Dudley Dawson top of next hour. So stacked and packed with you on a Valentine's Day where my man Bradley over at Bradley's Chocolate today has chocolate covered strawberries in milk white. And, yes, dark chocolate this year. I went yesterday, got Laura a beautiful box of, um, walked up to the counter, and they they made a box specific with the chocolates that were back there to my, or to her taste, I should say, and had a nice little box, and then grabbed some chocolate-covered popcorn as well, which is always a winner. Got in, got out. Somebody sent me a, a photo today of a line that was like almost outside and said he got through there in eight minutes because they had seven registers going today. So they're going to take great care of you. They know exactly. Yes, I did say seven registers. As we continue on the other side and we continue on your chill show on Valentine's Day, will you be mine after this? This is Coach Trader's Golf from Columbia Central High School Football. You are listening to 101.7 WKOM in Columbia, Tennessee. Hi, I'm Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. And I'm Michael Parks Lawrence at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Together, we're Mr. Bobby Parks' grandsons, and we run his dealership, and we are glad to be part of our local community. Being family-owned and operated, we invest heavily in our community. We do things like sports teams, schools, bands, you name it. We try to help everybody we can. The reason why we do this is because we all love this community. So come do business with us, your neighbors, at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee, right off Nashville Highway, or at ParksMotorSales.com. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the drywall that somehow isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hi, this is Steve, the Garbage Man. 
Y'all have heard me talk in the past about Packer, our mascot dog. Well, I have some sad news about Packer. She recently crossed over the Rainbow Bridge to join our other beloved pets of the past. Packer lived out her final days on our farm in Water Valley. She had a great 14 years of life after being rescued by Don from being thrown away as a pup in someone's garbage. Rest in peace, Packer. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hello, my name is Connor Mims. My wife Bradley and I live in Columbia, Tennessee in Riverside. I am a deck and porch builder and my wife is a second grade teacher at Riverside Elementary. My specialty is designing and building elegant and comfortable porches and decks. Let me work with you to design and build the porch or deck of your dreams. Give us a call today from our website, MimsModernLandscape.com. That's MimsModernLandscape.com and check out what we have to offer. Thanks. This is Trey Adcock with Dixie Equipment Sales and Rental. We sell ASV and Wacker Noisen equipment. We also rent a wide variety of compact equipment in the Middle Tennessee area. Come see us. We are located in Columbia, Tennessee at 200 East 16th Street. You can call us at 615-969-0118 or visit our website at www.dixiediesel.com. We have been in business for over 42 years and we would love to help you turn your project into reality. If you have Medicare and Medicaid, you may be able to get more help to cover your care and costs. A United Healthcare dual complete plan can help you get more benefits than original Medicare. Whether you choose our online tools or over the phone support, United Healthcare will help you compare options so you can choose a plan with confidence. See if you qualify for a United Healthcare dual complete plan. Call 855 UHC MORE. That's 855 UHC MORE. 855 UHC MORE. Looking for something to take your mind off this traffic? How about a true story of instant success? Did you hear about the two friends who went grocery shopping in Ashland City and picked up everything on their list plus $75,000? Or the one where a truck driver made a last minute stop off Interstate 40 and drove off with a cool million? All their lives changed in an instant and yours could too. So stop by your local retailer for your chance with instant games from the Tennessee Lottery. Game changing, life changing fun. Please play responsibly. Oh, beautiful gold rush with your sparkling top prize. You surely are a sight for sore eyes. And jackpot slots with your chance of $75,000 winners. Oh, how I'd take you for a candlelight dinner. Uh, sounds like people are really loving the new February Instant Games from the Tennessee Lottery. Play today for your chance to win up to $5 million only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. 
This is Jack Cobb with Murray County Public Schools and the Big Yellow School Bus. You're listening to Front Porch Radio on 101.7 WKOM in Columbia, Tennessee. Well into hour two, ladies and gentlemen, happy Valentine's Day to you and yours. I just want to say I love you if we haven't already. If I haven't expressed that sentiment to you today in this season of love. Matt Brown joining now. His um, website is called extrapoints.mb.com. Matt, a guy that uh, is covering the off-field forces that shape college sports. And boy, are there some forces from the courts to uh, the money to uh, sometimes inanity. But uh, I don't see a lot of solutions on the horizon. Let's talk with Matt now as we bring him in. And he, he had an entry a, a few days back regarding the Big Ten and the Southeastern Conference. And he, he, he writes, let's not overreact to the another press release. And Matt, as I welcome you in, what an crazy, insane time. We, I was just talking to Watson Brown uh, a few minutes ago, and, and we were just, marveling at a at a time right now where a coach from UCLA would jump a head coach would jump to be a coordinator in another school because UCLA is essentially out of money I mean that's just where we're at though it's it's nuts as I bring you in welcome in man joke with my wife a couple of times I've made this joke with some of my sources but I feel like we have been in what we call unprecedented times for the last four years, right? Like, I, yeah. I have been doing this job long enough that I remember off-seasons. Off-seasons. We yeah. don't get an off-season anymore. Like it's, no. it, we're kind of lurching. Well, you, well, you've got a great point. So, uh, I, I'm, I'm talking, uh, uh, you know, just the last couple of days, I, we've been so immersed in this court stuff, right? Of course. And you know people like, people like me, I, I don't know about you, I'm a simpleton, okay? The last thing I want to do is get on the phone with attorneys late at night and say, now, what does this mean? Now, what does that mean? Now, and we're going to parse what the judge said here, and what, what, what does that mean, and what's the significance of this? And I'm just relying on these people holding off for dear life. That's not why I'm – personally, that's not why I'm doing this. And I, I think it's a very confusing time to be a college football fan, and I don't know that that's good for the sport either, I'm at these sports. Yeah, I, I have a lot of empathy for people that don't want to think about any of this stuff, right? Like, part of why you want to be an SEC football fan, why you care a lot about college football, is specifically so you never have to think about the words National Labor Relations Board. Um, and that's, that's, that's not where we are now. I, I understand that, like, it's, we're talking about mostly public institutions, and so politics are explicitly part of, of that arrangement. You can't completely divorce them. But there's never been a time in, in my lifetime. I was born in 1987, so I was born after the, the Regent's Supreme Court decision. But there's never been a time in my lifetime where the off-the-field stuff, from television valuations to Congress to multiple legal challenges, have ever been more important. And I, I think it's important even in this market even absent the, the lawsuit that everyone here is filing, there's stuff going on here that, depending on how it breaks, could put Tennessee in a position to compete for national titles in multiple sports for years or put them in a position to be like Nebraska, where the rules changed after 1998, and then they've been in a – they'll be swimming uphill forever. Like and, and that story hasn't been written yet, 
and I understand why people would feel frustrated and confused about it. Well, yeah, especially like here where, you know, you feel like, hey, that we dodged an NCAA bullet and did all the right things, and then they come back. Uh, they come back in on you, and people were very, very taken aback by it. And, you know, the thing about this court case, though, that you wrote that I think is a proper analysis, at first blush, one would think, oh, well, you know, this will be the final chapter for the NCAA. No matter what happens with this ruling here, this thing is so far from being settled. And and I yeah. wonder when these intelligent people, Matt, that supposedly are in these sports are going to get in a room and get some real-world solutions instead of uh, the cat chasing its tail all day, which is really getting old. I think the frustrating thing that... I think the SEC office understands, but maybe some, a lot of folks even at the school level haven't really made peace with, is at this point, I honest to God don't think they're totally in control. We could bring in, you know, all of the leaders in the SEC or the Big Ten, and you can get a big conference room, and you bring in some people from the other power conferences and maybe some other people in the NCAA, and you could come up with a plan to say, okay, we're going to acknowledge market reality. We are going to make some athletes employees. We're going to have direct revenue sharing. The idea of outsourcing our player payroll to unaccountable booster groups is ridiculous. We're going to stop doing it. You can make a great plan, and the courts could invalidate it in 20 minutes. The people that are fundamentally in charge now of who is going to be an employee, what are the obligations to the universities to those players, and, and, and what that compensation structure looks like, unfortunately, at this point, is going to be decided in courthouses. And if not courthouses in Congress, which I don't know about you guys, I'm not making a political statement here, I think that would be worse because most lawmakers, Republican or Democrat, do not fundamentally understand how college sports actually works. Um, there's a lot of things that we could have done 20 years differently that would have put the schools in a better position to, to be proactive. But at this point, they don't have the final say anymore. Um, and, and, and that's kind of why I look at with some skepticism about whatever press release or whatever working group anybody else is going to is going to settle here because they don't have final veto power over those decisions you know that's such a great point um because neither of those are what i call uh inviting the congress or the courts and for years and years they saw this coming you know we used to have Ramogi humo on the show 15 years ago out there the guy that first formed yeah. those he former ucla player i know you know rogi but he Ramogi would come on with us when when he was just a speck in everybody's eye and i i had him on because i just thought it was so interesting what he was trying to do and it obviously made sense and he just got ignored and they ignored this they ignored it and ignored it and ignored it, and they saw it coming for 20 years. The money that's in this, there's no way those players were going to sit there and watch Nick Saban make $10 million while they had to take shameful payoffs in private. I mean, there's just no way, and weren't even getting their health care paid for, which is something Ramogi Huma was talk to, talking about back then. If you got injured, you were sort of on your own. I remember when that kid Kevin Ware got hurt at, uh, at Louisville, and... Um, uh, Rick Pitino went for a microphone and said, "Well, we're going to cover his, we're going to cover his injury. I mean, really? I mean, really? You're going to cover his injury? I mean, you're going to cut really that happened a billion dollar basketball tournament? That's really great. The point is, they had this coming to them 
for years and years. And you sound to me like you're saying now they're in a spot where that the, the, the train's already left the track. I mean, this has got to come from the courts at this point. That's, that, that, that's exactly it. And I, I think realistically, the final deadline was a couple of months ago. Because what, what so many leaders in college sports have been trying to push for is after the Alston case went 9 nothing, And after they saw that, okay, this is going to be precedent that's going to make it very hard for us to win at any other antitrust cases in the future, including what's happening in your backyard now. But also it's going to make it harder to win Johnson v. NCAA this year. Uh, to say nothing of the National Labor Relations Board, to say nothing of House, which is coming. I think there's going to be a settlement in, in that case in the next six to nine months, but that will be hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars. You know, th- what they've been trying to do is to get Congress to step in and say they can beat the courts to the punch, and they could say some or all athletes are not employees, or we can create some kind of legislative carve-out to give us the ability to have some sort of regulation or to allow us to build a system, and that didn't work. Um, and it's, it's not going to work now because we got a presidential election. Everyone's going to stop passing laws. Um, they're, they're going to all be focusing, you know, on, on their own reelection efforts. And by then it's going to be too late because by the time, by the time we, we bring in a new Congress and potentially a new president, there's going to be multiple, uh, courts that are going to be ruled on any of this here. And, and I'm not necessarily saying that that's going to be good or bad. It's just because I, I don't, to be honest with you guys, I don't know. But it's going to be, it's, it's not going to be led by the people that know the most about this, about the sport. And I imagine there's going to be some winners and losers, um, both on the program side and on the athlete side in that new future. Boy, that's really interesting. Um, the, the thought that the solutions could actually be found. Because almost if you're the NCA now and you, you advocate to the courts, which you have, you almost have to manage from underneath to get what you want done. And boy, that's going to be a that's going to be a fine needle to thread. Let's talk about some of the things you mentioned there because you're familiar yeah. with them. I don't think our listener is. The Johnson case is that the left coast? Is that the one going on in California right now? No, actually, the opposite. Johnson v. NCAA is happening in Pennsylvania. Okay. Uh, and this and this this case is uh, is centered around a bunch of FCS football players in Pennsylvania. You know, you know, kids at places like Villanova and Bucknell about whether those football players should have been classified as employees and then do minimum wage. Uh, and I think what we just saw a couple of days ago with Dartmouth and the National Labor Relations Board relates to this a little bit, because I, I, I'm, I'm guessing, I could be wrong, but I'm guessing that you, you're going to find some people that, are gonna, that would say, you know, if you're an SEC football player or an SEC basketball player and you're directly a part of a system that brings in hundreds of millions of dollars a year, and you're already being treated like a professional on those expectations, you probably, maybe you should be an employee. Maybe you should be treated as a professional and, and, and share those things. But if you are an East Tennessee baseball player, or if you're an Austin P football player, or if you're uh, you know a, a softball player outside of the SEC or the Big 12, I think many reasonable fans would probably think, I don't think you should be because there's no money, right? But what we're seeing now with Johnson and with Dartmouth is that athletes that are a part of programs that are, are on no planet revenue producing or net revenue producing are likely, or if not already, have been viewed as employees. And if that's true for Johnson, and if that's true for Dartmouth men's basketball, who I think would be outdrawn by a good Knoxville high school basketball game, well, that can apply to a whole hell of a lot of other people. And then oh, that boy. really changes the calculation for everybody. Where is that thing set? What's going to happen in that case? 
Well, I, I the the NCAA is highly likely to lose uh, based on the uh, the initial conversations there, and that's not a a far left thing here. Like that, there's a Trump judge on this case, and I think there's an Obama judge, and both of them are were very very critical uh, to the NCAA's initial arguments. When that happens, there's almost assuredly going to be an appeal, right? And and though there's going to be a circuit split, so this could go to the Supreme Court. Um, we don't know how it's going to end, but it is very likely in the next six months, the NCAA, at the first round here, will lose that case. <laughs> and then the courts will say, these young men at Bucknell, you guys owe them minimum wage. You owe them workers' comp. You owe them everything that the law allows for an employee in the state of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. You know, my first thought is sometimes be careful what you wish for when you're these athletes yeah. because, in, in, in essence, Schools at that level are going to have a decision to make, and the decision they may make is we're just going to shut down uh, athletics because it's too expensive. You know that that could happen, couldn't it? It it it, it could. Um, if enough schools did that, you might they might get sued, not just over Title IX, but they might get sued over over union busting, over over violating mm. you know some parts of the NLRB, and there'll, there'll be more there'll be more lawsuits. But that's absolutely. A concern. I actually have a reported story about this coming out tomorrow. I was just talking with the, you know, ADs at places like Stephen F. Austin and UMBC, and there's there's going to be many of your listeners who are fans of those kind of institutions, and and like I've seen their budgets, and I'm a, I'm a pro union guy, and I but and I'm not I'm not a math genius, but I know enough about math to know that if you've got a 19 million dollar budget, and employment is going to cost bare minimum 15 million more dollars. You can't make that math work by just cutting some fat somewhere. It, it, the, the, and that's, that's a, a big question that I think everybody has to grapple with because Tennessee's financial world and Austin Peay's financial world or Tennessee State's world, they're, they're not the same thing, and maybe they shouldn't be treated that way. Matt Brown joining publisher Extra Points, covers the off-field stories in college sports, and you can hear him. Uh, breaking it down scientifically with us on this Valentine's Day. And I wish there was more love in the air for us <laughs> and, and the NCAA right now. But but they're kind of getting what they're getting. I mean, look, Tennessee, tomorrow there's a, there's a belief that when this judge rolls at some point in the next few days, whenever it comes down, that the states are probably going to lose. But it will be a pyrrhic victory by the NCAA because right uh, in their in his ruling last week was the verbiage that, hey, look uh, to the to the states, you're on the right side of this. In other words, everything about the NCA and their current relationship that they wanted to maintain with these student athletes, everything about it is illegal, as we all know. But it's just a matter of how do we get from here to there. And so, so I ask you this, um, with some of these other cases, you were talking about the Austin case, which that is the California case. Is that the one that came up? Which one's the California case that I w- was hearing about? There, there's another National Labor Relations Board investigation okay. in USC. And that, oh, one, that okay. one is, 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 is still happening. So, that's, so that's there's in two California. of them. Okay, yeah. because the states were sharing a witness. The Virginia and Tennessee were sharing a, were sharing a witness who they decided not to call, but they were going, they were thinking about using him in this case uh, yesterday. Again, I know enough about this to be dangerous, but they were talking about <laughs> he was uh, an expert witness in a California case. Maybe that was the NL- NLRB uh, deal that yeah. you're referencing. At any rate, yeah. so how far away 
as you look at this, and obviously I'm asking you to look into a crystal ball, are we a decade away? Are we a few oh, years no. away? How far away are we from from seeing this become what it what it needs to become, morph into something else here, so we can all rest and enjoy our sports? I think I think two or three years. It, 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 it's definitely not a decade away because the, the courts simply won't let them. Um, uh, they, they, there will there will be a, a outside force mandating some level of employment status, you know, before twenty twenty seven. There's also other, you know, other conversations happening independent of just employment that are trying to expedite this, right? Like, I don't think I'm telling tales out of school. There's a lot of presidents and, admin, and ADs and coaches who are really dissatisfied, particularly with the football status quo, because you're, you're, it's rare to find somebody that's really angry about athletes getting more money. I, 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 think, I think you have to be a little bit of a troglodyte to be really unhappy about that. But nobody's happy about perpetual free agency. Nobody's happy about the, the, the de facto general manager of your program being somebody who doesn't work for your school and having to ask people that you don't control or aren't really accountable for to help make recruiting and player personnel decisions or having to rely on the same 8 to 10 to 12 very rich people uh, to fund your program. I think we're already getting some fatigue. If you're a fan and you're thinking, look, man, I already got to pay X, num- X hundreds of thousands of dollars to get my tickets at Tennessee – and I have to, you know, I paid money to put my kids through that school, and I got to pay four dollars for a bottle of water, and I got to pay forty bucks to park, and then somebody is going to ask me to make a monthly donation so we don't lose to Arkansas, or or, or because somebody allegedly of Florida is doing X, Y, or Z. Eventually, if you have to work for a living, you say, well, that's not fair. That should be somebody's job who's already making eight million dollars a year, or that should be somebody's job who's getting the SEC check. It shouldn't no be doubt. my job, the HVAC guy in East Tennessee. Um, and eventually, if enough of those people say we're going to stop giving money, that, that, that changes things. So there's, there's a lot of, of, of incentive and push to standardize this system. I think the courts are going to be the one that really shove it into place. But this is not a far-off intellectual abstraction. This is a world that we have to grapple with in the next year or two, moving towards a, 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 new, a very new system. Well, and it's something that here, – here's the thing, right? ADs, yeah. even like an institutional guy like Danny White, who grew up in the old system, yeah. uh, he will welcome this. And I don't know if he would have welcomed it a couple years ago, but I think they've all been taken to a place now where they realize um, that this is untenable, this is ridiculous, this is absurd. And you talk about these football coaches, guys are fleeing the college game and great money to the NFL because they don't want to deal with this, as you called it. Uh, there's tampering all over the place. There's no commissioner to stop it in major college football. There's nobody overseeing any of this. There's no oversight at all. It's total anarchy. And in the midst of that, we're going to selectively, like you said, pick and choose our, our winners to the point where, you know, if the NCAA really wants to get heavy-handed with Tennessee, they can they could really rubble them. You know, they that's still possible which is just absurd um but matt let me give you the final word here it's great talking with you let me ask you this you mentioned collectives which i think is a really interesting concept and you call these guys like and gals that are in the space at these big schools de facto gms which sort of is what they are these are the these are the guys with the power right now there's and i've always looked at this relationship and i always like robert caro is one of my favorite writers who's written about political power Sure. Um, and 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 Caro 
talks about how you just got to – people say follow the money. His thing is, no, follow the power. Those guys hold the power right now. There's no way the athletic directors and the presidents want those people in this deal. There's just no way. In the new solution, what happens to those collectives? Do they come in-house? What happens to – or do they continue to have a part of this, the, the, uh, yeah. the, the collective people? Go ahead. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great question, and, and obviously a lot of that depends on, on the, the rules of the new system. I think that you're going to see many of those groups move in-house because when it comes to, to creating like market-based or brand-based deals or activations, the, the really the, the, the best deals out there are ones that marry school intellectual property and athlete intellectual property. Mm. And the, the, the giants in this space, the Learfields, the JMIs, the Playflies, they're better at that than almost every collective. There's a couple of collectives that are run by, like, as you know, really professional marketing agencies, but that's not mm-hmm. the norm. And mm-hmm. so it would, it would literally would create better outcomes for everybody if Learfield just like operated the thing, right? What I don't think you're going to have in a post-employee world are going to be essentially fundraising clubs to help pay for salaries. And what we have in pro sports, where we have collective bargaining agreements, is there's generally really strict restrictions on outside income. You know, I'm based in Chicago. We can't have a fundraising group to help pay for Justin Fields' salary so it doesn't count against the cap. Not only is that like a ridiculous thing on the face of it, right? But then the Bears would get sent to the NFL jail for, for flagrantly blaking the cap. Yeah. And, and here there are no rules. And here there are, again, once again, we're talking about something where there are no rules. Like, I could literally go tamper with your quarterback tomorrow, steal him off your roster, call a press conference, say I did it, laugh in your face, and there's not a damn thing you can do about it. That's basically true, right? And then the, yes. on the rare cases where the NCAA tries to do something about it, you could take them to district court and you have a good chance of winning because the rules, as stupid as they are, are also probably illegal. I, I do think we are eventually going to move to a system where we're going to have a CBA in big-time SEC-caliber mm-hmm. college sports. Mm-hmm. And so the outside collective, if they're a marketing agency, I think they'll continue to exist. People are still going to want to get deals to sell in, you know, energy drinks on Instagram, they're still going to want to do business, uh, do do promotional work with businesses here. There's a place for that, but most of them will go away because there won't really be a place for outside fundraising to just kind of to, to funnel bags. And I think that a CBA will give enough teeth where you won't there won't be as much incentive to try and you know sign somebody to a two hundred thousand dollar fake marketing deal uh, to get around the cap, especially if they're being paid appropriately with with uh, the actual television money. But that's. I might be a year or two away. Matt Brown, you're the man. If folks want to read more of your work, how do they do so? And I appreciate your time. Of course. I appreciate you having me on here. If this is the kind of thing that interests you, friends, you can find me at Matt Brown EP on Twitter uh, or the newsletter Extra Points, which is read by fans and administrators all over college sports, is at extrapointsmb.com. Matt, thank you, brother. Good talking to you. Yeah, you too. Likewise. Be well and have a wonderful Valentine's Day, everybody. Yeah, you too, my man. I wish I could give you some Bradley's chocolate. If you were here right now, I'd give you some chocolate-covered strawberries. Cinco, do you have two to three years in you, Cinco, for this, to watch this thing morph into what it's going to become? Do, do we have two to three years in us, Sean? Well, I hope I do. I mean, I want to be around. Um, you know, I, it's my fandom has pretty much gone to showing up at games or watching games to be entertained and that's about it it uh i can't get caught up in the here and there and where they go and how much they cost and 
I, I don't control any of that stuff. So it's just, it's just the game time. You know, it's my, my one concern is anytime you bring structure into a system like they want to, the blue bloods will still be blue because without a $2 million per year, if that's the number, it's highly unlikely that Nico shows up in Knoxville. That was such an outlier uh, for the time. Uh, he likely, if everything is equal with money and salary cap and all this other stuff, he likely goes somewhere else. You know, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how it all kind of plays out. I, I think historically, though, from a Tennessee perspective, and all politics are local, I think the thing that's really great is that I think we're always going to be vying at the top of these sports because I think we have the tradition, we have the history, we have the numbers. You know, I think about Vanderbilt last night. I, I was watching uh, their game with A&M, and a friend of mine called me who uh, had a friend in the gym, and it was 20 minutes before tip-off, and his friend called him and said, there's about 300 people here. And I'm watching that game last night, and you know they never show the crowd but I was talking to somebody else who said if there's a 1,000 people down there, Tony, you're seven feet tall, which I put in, put in my blog today. And you wonder what becomes of those people in the new world order, what becomes of some of these other conference members, because some are going to get in the boat and some are not. And then you think about the implications of that court case up there in Pennsylvania. What if the NCAA loses and then all of a sudden they've got to pay all those athletes they might just tell all those men's and women's athletes at those schools, hey, look, I mean, now that you guys are all employees, we can't do this. We, we, I'm, I'm glad you won your court case, but it might be a costly win for the ones that are going to come after you. I just wonder, uh, it's a shame we couldn't have come up with new world, real world solutions on the front end uh, because I think we're going to see a lot of pain uh, in the next couple of years and Hopefully, yeah, but I, you know, but I have a hard ahead. time having any sympathy for this because the NCAA created this. I mean, they're, they're to me, you got what you wanted. I mean, you, you had a monopoly. That's what it was. Yeah, you had a you had a less than minimum. I mean, a ridiculously low the concept of an education. There is nothing you can't put your hands on an education. You can get the, right now. You're sitting there watching people graduate with master's degrees that can't get a job. So it's, you cannot put your hand on an education. So the thought was, well, you have an opportunity to get an education. Well, that's not the same thing. I don't. I don't get it. I don't get to pay something with an opportunity. Well, I'll and tell so, you and this. Then they, and then they yeah. construct a, a term called. Yeah. I mean, I don't mean to be long winded, but they no. construct a term called student athlete. And this was all because of greed and all because there was no thought to be, we want to keep this purely amateurism. That's crap. They wanted to keep the money in-house. Yes. And now there's been an overcorrection, a pushback, and they're they're crying foul. Well, you know what you do? You have a constitutional convention. You have a reset. If there was any leadership, they would pull these people together right now in some Chicago, Las Vegas some central things say, look, folks, this is what we got. Let's put our heads together and let's get this straightened out. We wouldn't be, I mean, there was no talk about, you reported last year that people around the Ohio State Collective said, 
we're going to have to have 13 to 20 million dollars to keep a, a program together year to year. No, no, nowhere have I seen that. They're sele- and they're not going to. They'll say, well, we're hitting Tennessee first. Then we're going to do this. But we'll get around to Ohio State somewhere uh, sometime in 2000, yeah. never. That's exactly right. That we're going to pick just exactly like just, right. hey, just like all those years, Sean. Just like all those years at North Carolina, they had that fake college and they knew it. But here, Correct. Chris Burke, Chris Burke on the other side, because I'm a light in the mood. This is my guy, right? You talk about my Valentine. This guy right here. You know about a guy. I, before Tony Valls came along, I had a crush on Burke. We'll talk to him as we continue. Chris Burke. We'll talk about the baseball team who will debut debut on friday night what will they look like where are they loaded where do they need help is this team any good uh because tony valls is starting to say this is his deepest team he's ever had i told him he would say that i told him a month ago he would say that i told him he would say that as we continue after this this is Trip Stoltz with Columbia Ace Hardware. I love listening to 101.7 WKOM-FM, Columbia, Tennessee. Celebrate you with a new vehicle from Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Columbia. We have a huge selection of new vehicles waiting for you. We're talking cars, trucks, and SUVs. And if you're in the business of selling your vehicle, we've got you covered. We'll buy from you even if you don't buy from us. At Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Columbia, we're locally owned and operated and proud to serve our community as the largest CDJR dealership in Tennessee. Find your new ride today when you visit Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Columbia. Celebrate love with Tillis Jewelry's exclusive Valentine's Day Pink Box Special. Surprise your special someone with an exquisite piece from our collection, elegantly presented in a charming pink box. Each box comes with delectable chocolates and is adorned with a beautiful white bow. My name is Jenna, and this Valentine's Day, let's make it unforgettable. Because when you choose Tillis, you're not just giving a gift, you're creating a moment that will be cherished forever. Do you suffer from knee pain? Is it painful to walk or perform your day-to-day activities? If so, we have great news at the Dr. Gill Center. We can relieve your knee pain fast and easy with no downtime and no surgery. The FDA has approved a new non-surgical treatment for knee pain, and it's covered by most major insurance, including Medicare. This treatment has helped millions of people across the nation. Call today to see if you qualify for a free consultation and get back to a pain-free life. 615-551-9224. Brown's Body Shop, 1505 Nashville Highway in Columbia, or 129 Alpha Drive in Franklin, is here to serve Murray and Williamson County. We have over 50 years of business with all the experience combined. All insurance claims, as well as unibody and frame repairs and glass claims are welcomed. Call today for selected insurance companies, 931-381-4915-Columbia and Franklin, 615-794-1959. Or check us out at www.brownsbodyshop.com. Looking for convenience? Try Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Murray County, Southern Middle Tennessee, and North Alabama. Whether stopping in on your way to work for coffee and a biscuit, taking a plate lunch to go, or grabbing something cold to drink after a long hot day at work, there's always one nearby. Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Southern Middle Tennessee and North Alabama. Proudly serving Shell Gasoline. 
Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at tenpin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. This is Mark Curry at the Trailer Store. We are a local, family-owned business. Every day, I work with my wife, Susie, my mother, Becky, and my son, Justin. We offer a full line of lawnmower trailers, utility trailers, stock trailers, and a full line of trailer parts. We also offer service. Come see us at 1021 New Lewisburg Highway. Call us at 931-381-2795. That's 931-381-2795. This is Trip Stoltz, owner and manager at Columbia Ace Hardware. We have changed our store hours to better serve our community. Columbia Ace Hardware is now open from 7 to 7, Monday through Friday, from 8 to 4 on Saturday, and closed on Sunday. Come see us at 112 East James Campbell Boulevard and let us show you customer service that can only be found at Columbia Ace Hardware. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. I am Jack Blackstone. And I'm Emery Blackstone. Together, we are Greenway Tech Repair. Tired of slow computers, cracked phone screens, and fancy home electronics you don't know how to use? We can help. We provide local on-site services as well as remote troubleshooting for any job, no matter how large or small, from computers and laptops to mobile devices and home electronics. We Blackstone Brothers are eager to serve our community. Find us on Facebook at Greenway Tech Repair or by phone at 931-388-2691. That's on Facebook at Greenway Tech Repair or by phone at 931-388-2691. Hey, this is Seth Moss at Tennessee Valley Equipment, a premier FAE Prime Tech, Bandit, and Surex dealer. We are your dealer for all of your land clearing and forestry mulching needs. We sell equipment, provide repair service, and parts along with a rental fleet of mulching equipment. We also offer mulching teeth, blades, and sharpening. Our number one priority is getting you up and running as quickly and affordable as possible. Tennessee Valley is located at 300 Santa Fe Pike in wonderful Columbia, Tennessee. Stop by or give us a call today at 931-981-9812. Minutes matter when you call 911 for a heart attack, and Murray Regional Health is ready to care for you. Utilizing the state-of-the-art cardiac cath lab at Murray Regional Medical Center, our team of expert cardiologists and experienced clinical professionals are equipped to investigate heart conditions quickly and perform life-saving interventional procedures. Go to murrayregional.com heart to learn more. And remember, always dial 911 when you or someone near you is experiencing heart attack symptoms. Murray Regional Health, where clinical excellence meets compassionate care. In Tuscaloosa, we live by the blue-collar basketball motto. Stepping back, deep three, bottom. Hard work. Two on one, driving, stepping through, tough shot, got it to go. Dedication. Front court to the rack. Oh! And teamwork. Play the song for the champions of the Southeastern Conference. Join us for every game right here on your home for Alabama basketball. Right here, Saturdays on WKOM, 101.7 FM. Debbie Matthews Realtor and her husband Jason, who is a pro songwriter, also own a music publishing company. They live in historic downtown Columbia with their dogs. Dog rescue work is their passion project. They consider Middle Tennessee their backyard and their lives are full of all things Tennessee. Debbie says there is no greater honor than to help someone find a home. To be trusted with that job, there is no greater privilege. Call Debbie at the Nashville Realty Group, 615-476-3224, 615-476-3224. 
Hi, I'm Kurt Green, and I'm with 7th Element, and we're going to be in the Columbia area at Columbia State Community College at the Cherry Theater, February 24th. That's Saturday, February 24th, and we would love for you to be there. You can get your tickets on Eventbrite, and just look for 7th Element and Friends. Concert's going to be at 6 p.m., 6 p.m., and you can find us at 7thElement.com, 7thElement.com. It's February, and love is in the air all month. There's no better time to find your perfect match than this month with Hiller Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Electrical. From now until February 29th, get a free UV light when you purchase select new HVAC systems from Hiller. It's the perfect pair for cleaner, healthier air inside. You'll never be more in love with your home. Find your perfect match today at happyhiller.com. Happy you'll be, or the service is free. Call the happy face truck today. This is Clayton Harris, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM, Columbia. There is a romantic paisan. How you doing, Berkey? <laughs> What's up, Tony B? Happy Valentine's Day to you, man. Yeah, you too, my man. You too. To the Berkey. Yeah, Berkey. And, uh, God, man, you've been together with your lovely for forever, right? Celebrated 20 years uh, in December. Praise God. And you were like kids in love, right? Yeah, I've been since since a senior in high school. That's a lot of candles on the cake, brother. A lot. A lot. A lot of candles on the cake. Berkey, let's talk here. You get the butterflies when we get a couple days away from this thing, cranking right back up. Here we are, Friday night. The Tennessee baseball team in a series down in Texas. Uh, isn't this fun? It is. We, you know, I think college baseball has done a nice job, similar to the college basketball start of the year. You know, college football has done some some nice kind of one-off games too to start their season. But there's some really good non-conference um, round-robin kind of deals. Houston's done some for years. Uh, Frisco, uh, Globe Life is, is kind of the big deal now where teams are meeting down there. They know they're going to get perfect playing conditions and a lot of SEC kind of Big 12 matchups. And let's go from there. Let's talk about that. What what kind of level of competition will Tennessee see this weekend there? Um, you know, it, it, Oklahoma and, and Baylor, you know, if you're looking at the preseason projections, Texas Tech is picked third in the Big 12. Oklahoma's picked right in the middle of the pack and kind of a borderline regional team. And Baylor, you know, is, is in a full-blown rebuild mode there. I think they were 6-18 and 18 last year in the conference, so they're, they're not picked to um, make the tournament this year. So I, I would say, but, you know, you're still talking about Big 12 Texas roots baseball programs. You know, Oklahoma's obviously – not in Texas, but but recruits heavily out of that state. And so you're going to be dealing with, um, I would say, a very similar to kind of a regional feel, even to a certain degree, even, you know, you could argue maybe even a little better than a regional because um, Baylor's going to be better than a four seed. And, you know, you could easily look at Texas Tech and Oklahoma like a two and a three seed. 
And then the Tennessee Volunteers, let's drill down here, because I know you've got your moles. You've got your moles all over the place. Tony came on here and soft-sold as he's going to, you know, what he had. And and then he was talking to the media um, the other day, and he kind of let it slip out. Hey, we have one of our deeper teams that we've had with the bats, and we feel really great. And You know, like, I, I don't know, Zane Denton's not, not around, but I'm not sure if he would have been if there was a spot for him. I mean, I, I look at this team, and I'm like, wow, they are, whew, uh, like the kid on first base better have a good start to the season. They've got – I'm serious now. They've got some real serious bats that will start on the bench. I mean, this – he has stacked yeah, you know, this thing, hasn't he? Well, I, yes. Yes, he has. I, I think one thing we've learned about Tony, and obviously you know him off off the air, so to speak, and so do I, but, you know, I really think – I'm not saying Tony's not wise and doesn't know how to uh, get his message across however he wants to frame it in the media, as all good coaches do. By the same token, I don't think Tony spends a lot of time trying to manipulate what he thinks about his team. Uh, He usually kind of says it. Now, sometimes we're jaded by normal coach talk, and we might not believe him or any coach. But what he's saying, I think he believes. You know what I mean? And so last year, he kept telling everybody, I don't think we're as good as everybody keeps saying we are. And, you know, through 25 games or so, he was about right. Heck, maybe through 30 games. Um, I say that to say that when he says what he said the other day about his lineup being as good, <laughs> I think I I think I read that where he, where he said his lineup was as good as, any team they've had or right there with any team he had, I thought, wow. Um, for him to say that uh, just shows how much he believes in this team. So, But, I mean, you look at the names on paper, and it's, it's, a, it's a scary, deep group. There's no doubt about it. Um, even with, like you said, even without Zane Dennis. Who jumps out at you? Who, who's your pick to click? I, I love this Tears for Fears kid. I, I love getting glimpses of these guys, right? And then yeah, dreaming of I, what I, I they're going to look like. Give, give me a couple guys that you can't wait to see this weekend, or or just watch them grow this year. So we'll go with the returners. Like I think everybody's excited to see Tears and Dryling. I just think both of those kids have impact written all over them. I mean, Dylan Dryling's getting a a fair amount of late first, early second round preseason buzz for the draft because he's a draft eligible sophomore. Um, there's just a lot of buzz around him. From a from a um, transfer standpoint, I mean, Billy Amick and Cannon Peebles have a chance to be as, as impactful as any two transfers in the country. Um, and so, you know, it would be impossible to not be excited about what they give you. And then, I mean, Christian Moore and Blake Burke are potential, again, potential first-team All-American players, like, like, I don't think anybody in the baseball community would be shocked if either or both of those young men hit 20 home runs. So, um, I mean, I, that's six players right there that could be, you know, all-league kind of impact bats. And and what's really interesting, and we'll see how Tony plays it, because, you know, he, he mentioned both Cal Stark and Charlie Taylor as, as leadership kind of guys, yet... Mm-hmm. You know, Cannon Peoples has got a chance to be the most impactful bat he's he's ever had behind the plate, and 
obviously Evan Russell was incredible, uh, you know, one year in the outfield and, and one year behind the plate. But you look at what Cannon Peoples did last year, um, you know, he had an OPS in the 1100 range uh, as a freshman. So it's, uh, it's pretty exciting what he's brought in and what he brings back. It's going to be a lot of fun. And we're going to see it get underway this week. Uh, unfortunately, Flow TV, I'm going to have to do what Sean Sinclair said. I'm going to have to load a $15 uh, prepaid gift card onto the stream and and then let it run out. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a good little idea Cinco gave me. At any rate, a little work around here. Uh, let me bring Sean Sinclair in without further ado. Uh, who uh, wants to jump in with us here as we celebrate the beginning of baseball season with Chris Burke. Hey, Chris, a couple of pitching questions for you. Um, you know, last year there was a, uh, or at the end of the season, there was a narrative that came out of a couple of camps that Coach Anderson was responsible perhaps for a decline in performance of Chase Dolander and for Chase Burns. I'm not sure I buy any of that. I mean, he's created a ton of great pitchers. Um, what do you make of that? Um, I think some agents were talking about how he messed with their mechanics and made them less successful. And second of all, uh, we saw Dolander step up to the number one, and he faltered a bit, which had to take uh, Lindsay up to number one, I think, if I remember right, on Friday night. Well, Drew Beam's been pretty solid in the Sunday role. Uh, can you talk about the added pressure of being the guy now? And, and who do we have that's – there's a lot of unproven on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, can you talk about some of those guys, and are we just expecting them to, to plug and play because that's what we've seen around here for the past three or four years? Yeah. Um, let me let me address your first one first. Uh, if, if Frank Anderson is somehow um, harming pitchers, then, man, he's <laughs> – He's got all of us tricked, I guess. Um, you know, I, almost no program in the country has pitched at the level that Tennessee's pitched over the last three years. So, um, not to mention the work he did the first couple years with teams that um, weren't nearly as talented. So, um, you know, I, I think I think Frank Anderson is beyond reproach as far as what he does. With pitchers, that doesn't mean he's perfect, but his track record speaks for itself. And, you know, look, in today's world of transfer portal and um, advisors and, and, and some of the things that are just par for the course with big-time college athletics, um, I think there's a piece of it where coaches, you know, they, they have to do what's best for their team. And what happened with Chase Burns last year was what Frank Anderson and Tony Vitello thought was best for Tennessee baseball. And Chase Burns pitched fantastic down the stretch once they moved him out of the rotation. So if that was harmful to him, it certainly didn't show up in the numbers. Um, And, look, it wouldn't shock me if Chase Burns dominates college baseball this year and is a top-five pick. Uh, But that doesn't mean that what they did last year was wrong. So – um, you know, I, I, I applaud them for making a hard decision. And we don't know what would have happened if they would have moved somebody else out of the rotation and left Burns in it. But we do know what did happen, which was the team caught fire, and they ended up 
uh, one of the last six teams standing in college baseball. So um, you got to give. I think you got to give them a lot of credit. And Chase decided to go play somewhere else, and he certainly has that right. So um, you know, people move on, and Tennessee's uh, certainly not hurting for talent. Um, that being said, uh, the next part of your question was remind me, Sean. Oh, Drew Beam moving to the Friday night role. You know, I think it'll be interesting. I I certainly think he has the perfect temperament to pitch number one, and I think the stuff is is plenty good. So I actually think he's the perfect guy to pitch on Friday night because he's just just a rock-solid kid, and he's the kind of kid that can pitch um, without his A-plus stuff because he's got um, a great feel for the art of pitching, not just – He's not just a stuff guy. He can really pitch as well. So I think he's the perfect guy to throw out there first. And I I am in full belief that A.J. Russell is going to have a breakout year behind him. In the meantime, I want to say to the radio listener, I appreciate you. Uh, Bradley's Chocolate, I'll be out there, brother. Milk white or cho- milk white or dark chocolate-covered strawberries. Whoa! Whoa! Love you. Appreciate you. Happy Valentine's Day. Peace. This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern middle Tennessee. WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia.